Alright folks, with the download button on Survivalist Podcast. And as always, folks, you can get all of our old shows at survivalistpodcast.org. And of course, our SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash survivalistpodcast, and everywhere where all fine podcasts are available. So we've got a lot to talk about today, a lot going on in the news this week. Uh, busy news week, and uh, we've got other things to talk about as well, but uh, always I want to mention our wonderful sponsor over at Pete and Pedro, uh, their wonderful uh, men's care line. They uh, they do everything from shampoos, conditioners, shaving cream, razors, trimmers, anything pretty much for guys. And I really recommend them. I actually do use them personally myself, uh, not because they're a sponsor. I actually reached out to them uh, to become a sponsor because I really like the product so much. And they really are great. Use the, Go ahead and use the sh- uh, offer code uh, in the show notes. And the link in the show notes is where we get the credit for it. Keep the show up. Uh, keep it free. And, uh, you know, keep everything going here. Uh, also, too, I do want to mention our wonderful group over at uh, rebelsocial.media. Uh, it's our Mastodon instance uh, where everybody gets together. We chit-chat, which is a really nice group. It's not, you know, anything crazy, political or anything like that. It's just a fun group of people that get together, talk about everything going on from gaming to prepping to survival to outdoors to technical problems to politics. I mean, we talk about everything, but it's really a nicely run group. I keep it pretty tight lit on it for our listeners only. And that is rebelsocial.media. And like I said, you can go ahead and join and then you can go ahead and uh, reach out to me on there as well. And I really appreciate if you do join. Like I said, we're a really tight group and we try to keep it uh, very well put together. So pretty crazy week for the news. Uh, recording this on Thursday, so you know still a couple more days left uh, for the news. But uh, pretty crazy, pretty crazy uh, news week this week. Kind of surprised. I did not expect it uh, to be as, as as crazy as it is. But I guess after the holidays, everything's going. We all finally know. We finally got a House Speaker. Fifteenth time is the charm. Um, and now, obviously, the first thing they're doing is they're going to open up a case with. Uh, so they're going to they get they're going to be investigating the White House, uh, what the, their their setup their the way they've their conversations with social media and everything that they've done that's uh, occurred that has caused any kind of silencing of conservatives, uh, anything like that. So you know, as I said. As soon, I said that from day one, that as soon as these people got into office, it was going to be like this. And they've already approved that uh, funding for anything investigating Trump is going to be defunded and all that. And that's fine, but it's just because nothing ever comes of it anyway. But I just I knew this was going to happen. As soon as they got into office, they were going to start some kind of investigation. And I mean, the timing couldn't be worse <laughs> right now for Biden. As they just got that uh, all those confidential documents that he had when he was VP, they discovered them in storage in his house in Delaware. Uh, they discovered them in other offices where that uh, they were moving, and they haven't discovered them. So uh, the timing couldn't be worse for him. Uh, they're looking for stuff to you know to investigate him on. The Republicans are anyway. And when these kind of sorts of things happen now, it's just gonna it's just gonna make them want to look even harder. So. 
like I said, unfortunately, this uh, for Biden anyway, this couldn't happen. At, uh, at all these these documents being found couldn't come at a worse time, considering they already want to look into the way social media handles just everything, the way they handle silencing the the, the conservatives, uh, the the way that the White House has been in communication with them. They're, they're going to investigate everything when it comes to social media, big tech. They're trying to. I can tell you for a fact, they're probably going to try to get that law passed that they've been talking about. They passed it in Florida and Texas that you can't take down social media posts and, you know, and all this. They already have it in Florida and and, and kind of in Texas. But those laws really, at the state level, they're not really going to work because it's just social media doesn't work that way. The internet doesn't work that way. You can't say, okay, well you, you can't, you have, you can't take it down to Texas, but you, you can take it down. It just doesn't work that way. That, that kind of law has to be done at the federal level. And I think that's what they're going to try to push. And I think getting it passed in Texas and Florida was just kind of like a preliminary kind of, let's see what, what we can get past. Let's see what, you know, how we can word this stuff. That's just now with Congress, I bet you, cause I think, I think this whole thing that's going on right now with the investigation into Biden and the investigation into the way the White House handles the social media and Facebook, Google, and all them, the way they handle everything. Uh, I think this is going to be kind of like the precedence for, okay, well, we did research into this. We found this. Now I want to pass this bill. They're, they're laying the groundwork for what they want to do, which is pass this bill. And, and that's what they're doing. So, um, you know, like I said, we'll need to see what happens with that. But this whole, these whole down with Biden with all these documents they're finding uh, in that old office they moved, they found uh, documents in his in his home in Delaware. And this is all from when he was VP. I mean, I mean, granted now as president, he would still be allowed to view them. But the fact that they're finding them in places where he was means that, uh, they were left after he was vice president. So, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. And, and I think, and, and, and personally as somebody who's in the computer security industry and all that, um, I think that the government especially needs to really the, the what happened with Trump, what happened with Biden. Um, it happened during the Bush administration. Even Obama had some documents that he didn't return. Uh, I think this just kind of shows how poor the government really handles this stuff. And I've said this before in previous podcasts, but the the government really needs a better way of securing and handling and. Uh, not so much protecting, but knowing who has these documents, not knowing that they're returned, knowing that they, there, there's no, there really is no way, they, the government has no way of, of really tracking these properly and knowing, hey, these documents were never returned. These documents were never returned. There, there needs to be a, a better check-in, check-out process for, for these sorts of things and for documents. And they have stuff like this out there already. Uh, just the government doesn't want to spend money on it. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to really, you know, because having, you know, a data leak digitally or having it on paper is still a data leak. And, you know, remember when the Snowden thing happened, remember the Bradley Manning thing happened, uh, they said they were supposed to tighten up the way they handled secure documentation. And it just goes to show you they really haven't, especially with this now coming out. I mean, Biden, I mean, Trump. Like I said, every president has taken some classified documents home with them. But the, my whole issue is they 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 need they should have a check in check out system that they know who has this. Or maybe here's an idea: instead of keeping them all paper documents, which are hard to track, maybe they need a digital system where you check them out digitally, and this way somebody looks at them digitally, and then you know who has these things, and then they have to check them in. And I mean, 
we do this digitally with libraries all the time. I don't understand why they can't do a secure system for secure documents, you know, like this. I, I just, I don't understand why they haven't done it, why they, they haven't implemented it yet. You know, digitize everything, you know, put it on, you know, and make it so that the person has to check them out when they want to view them. So now we have a record of who's viewing them. We know where they are. We have a way of digitally erasing them. If somebody should check them out, that's not, you know, that, and now they're, they're not the president or not the vice president. We can delete them off the device or issue them a device that we control. I mean, there are things in this world, being somebody who's in the computer security industry, there are, there are systems out of the box that could do this. Why the government is still passing around paper files in 2023 and, and why this is still an issue in 2023 is basically just lackadaisical handling by the government of classified documents. Okay. And the other thing is too, okay, we've had digital leaks before we've had, now we've had two issues where, where paper documents, big loads of them have come up. I mean, if a whistleblower got a hold of one of these things and, and dumped it online, they would be so upset, but it's their fault for not handling the documentation and not having a, a system to track who has it, track who checked it out, track who returned it, knowing where it is. And this, this is not, I don't blame Trump. I don't blame, oh, I don't even blame Biden. I don't blame Obama and I don't blame Bush. I mean, I blame the government for the way they handle this. Okay. This should have been fixed back. I would say probably during the during the late Bush, early Obama administration, they had two big cyber leaks by Manning and or um, Snowden. They could have handled this much better. With but yet they still insist on using paper documents. They still insist on you know I mean I, I think what it is and I really have said this before I think what it is part of it is. They had two dead in the, their mindset as older people um, in their mindset in Bush and, and Obama, or I'm sorry, Bush and Biden, especially older people, they don't understand technology. Their thing is, well, if it's on paper, it's safe. We can put it in a drawer. We can lock it. We can keep it safe. Okay. Because of the two data leaks they had during the Obama administration that were digital, they're thinking is, well, let's not digitize this stuff. Uh, you know, let, let's keep it on paper so it's safe. Because that's the way old people think. They think if it's if it's on paper, it's safe. Okay. The same thing goes with with what's her with with Hillary with her emails. Okay. Again, big digital leaks. So they they're like, oh, we can't digitize classified information. Let's keep it on paper so it's safer. No, it's not safer because there's no record of it. Yes, if it's up on a network, it could be it could be compromised. But it just show this stuff. It, it, if it's on paper, it's it's open for anybody to get. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's locked. Somebody could have broken into Biden's house and got documents. We've had classified documents leak because of people breaking into people's homes. It doesn't matter. It, it's all it, that whole thing. If it's on paper, it's safe. Is is BS. That's why old people think that's the way they're thinking now because of the couple leaks that happened during the Biden or the Obama administration. They want to keep everything on paper so it's safe. It should be digitized. It should be on an iPad or or on a, a, a device that's secured. So this way we know who has it. When they're done being president, we can wipe the data off it. it there, there's so much that this is a ridiculous thing. 
in 2023 that we're going through. Stop with the paper. Paper is just as dangerous as digital. Okay? Secure your network. Secure your systems. Put this stuff digitally in a vault that only people that have certain access can get. You know who checks it out. You know who has it. They have a device you can control. There are so many safer ways of doing this than passing files around with classified data. Okay, it's ridiculous. It, it, this, this shouldn't happen in, 20, in 2023. There are safer ways to do this. I know they're scared because of what happened with data leaks and WikiLeaks, but this can just as easily happen. I mean, come on. Look at, look at, th- this isn't the first time, by the way, confidential data has gotten out, by the way. I like to point that out. During the Obama administration and all that kind of stuff, those two leases the first time, people have been leaking data for, for decades. I mean, look, I mean, you had it during Watergate, which was all, which wasn't digital. You had it during, uh, you know, the whole issue with the wars in, Vietnam, we had classified information leaked during World War II. It doesn't matter if it's digital or if it's electronic, it happens. But with digital, there are more ways than than not of tracking it, which is why I don't understand why we are still having these problems in in twenty in twenty twenty three. There are such there are ways to do this that are safe. Why are we still handing out paper files and not having any record of who's has them? Okay, there has to be a record keeper that literally says, okay, the president took this file and brought it home with them. He didn't return. There, there has to be a record keeper, at least, that's keeping these records. Even if we are going to go paper, there needs to be a person that their job is to say, okay, this classified document was checked out to this person, or this classified document was checked out to this person, and they know. The fact that there's just no record of these documents missing record and, and and nobody's held accountable it's just it's just typical government bs it's just typical laziness of we need to have somebody keeping track of this stuff the secret service has more than enough people they can handle it let them say okay president you know the president checked out these five files you know the president checked out this the president checked out that the vice president checked out this so they have record okay guess what we're changing you know you know, we're, we're changing administrations now. Okay, all these files need to be returned before. Why isn't that? Why I don't understand that there is absolutely no reason for this. Um, there's just none. It's laziness. It's weak security. It's it, it, it's I, I just I don't understand why the government. Can, I, I just I don't. As somebody who's in this industry, okay, we can spend a billion dollars on a website for for national health care. But we can't spend a billion dollars to secure our classified intel. Be real. Okay? Listen, I'll do it for a half of the price or a quarter of the price. Okay? I mean, really. Hire me. Okay? Go to my website. Hire me. And I will more than happily do this for a half the price or a quarter of the price. Uh, okay? It, it's really ridiculous. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I'm good. There's my rant. I feel like Alex Jones now. I've ranted. But... As somebody who has a lot of knowledge in this field, it's just ridiculous. So let's talk about a couple things. First of all, as far as the rest of the news goes, I'll try to get through this without ranting anymore. Uh, Brazil obviously has their own little uh, uprising going on over there. We saw what's going on with that. I'm not going to really go into that because we all know kind of what's going on at this point. But uh, they had their own little uprising there, uh, their own little kind of January 6th thing going on over there. Uh, as far as survival goes, I thought this was uh, an article I wanted to bring up. I think it was relevant to our podcast here and relevant to everything else going on in the world. 
Uh, four people were killed in an avalanche in Colorado in the last two weeks. Uh, so what's going on over in Colorado is obviously it's skiing season over there and they're having these avalanches. And what's going on is people are getting, you're, you're getting uh, the, the powder, the way, the way snow it, it packs, but they've had a lot of fresh powder and stuff like that over there and they've had thin layers. And when, and what happens is when you get those kind of things, it's what's called avalanches and four people have been killed in, you know, in two weeks over there with these avalanches. And, uh, they, they really, really need, um, over there, to, uh, some kind of system. And, and I don't, and, and we've talked this for a long time, but, uh, really monitoring the snowfall and if the, the slopes are safe, it's really a shame that a bunch of people have died. Um, they go out to do something they enjoy like skiing and they die over an avalanche. And unfortunately you could be as prepared as you want, uh, an avalanche, um, most people die of cross injuries or suffocation, unfortunately, in those sorts of situations. But, um, you know, it's really a shame that that, you know, how many people have died. They go out to, you go out to do something you really enjoy doing and you end up getting killed over it. Uh, so it really is a shame, but yeah, that, uh, I wanted to bring that up in case, uh, kind of more as like a public service, uh, for people out there that, uh, go skiing. If you're going, uh, be going to Colorado anytime soon, uh, please be careful and, uh, please know what you're getting into. Uh, in the news, the other is today as well. The uh, the woman uh, scammed. Uh, she got three years in prison over that whole uh, four hundred and fifty thousand um, dollar scam that she pulled with GoFundMe uh, to try to help the homeless. Uh, and this is why I always say all the time. I brought this up a bunch of times over the years. But you, you, I have a serious problem with crowdfunding. One because you don't know if the money is specifically going to those places. And two, there's too many times where we, we've caught people uh, really doing bad things with crowdfunding. And, and I always get upset with the people that don't prepare financially in life. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, we, we need, you know, 10000 for burial expenses, um, stuff like that. That really upsets me. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, not everybody can have life insurance. But um, the fact that you, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, okay, well, you're going to have to cremate the people and you're just going to have to do the cheapest funeral possible. Um, if you, you know, I, I don't like the fact when people say all the time, well, we need 10000 for burial expenses. Well, if the person didn't leave you enough money to bury them, then they're going to have to make do with what you give them. And you don't need necessarily to have the people laid out and all that kind of stuff and spend ten grand on a funeral if they didn't leave you any way of paying for it. So that's just me. That's just the way I feel about it. Um, I have a serious problem with crowdfunding, especially like I don't mind doing crowdfunding when people have something that happens and and they need you know a little help at the time. That's fine. Uh, I even I don't even have a problem with this. Uh, you know, but crowdfunding is one of those things you got to make sure the money is going where it's supposed to go. And unfortunately, sometimes if I do see these crowdfunding things, I will actually sometimes look deeper into it and say, okay, well, the person is looking to raise money. Oh, look, they have a Venmo. I can pay them directly and I'll just pay the person directly rather than going through crowdfunding. Because um, also, too, if they don't reach their goal, the people don't get the money either. That's my other problem with crowdfunding. Sometimes people overshot. They'll say, oh, I want 100000 for this. Well, if you don't meet that goal, they don't get the money. And either sometimes it goes back to people or sometimes the um, GoFundMe keeps a part of it. So um, that's kind of my problem with the crowdfunding thing. A lot of times I will try to actually just go right to the source and say, here, you need help here. Here's a few bucks on Venmo, you know, rather than um, going through crowdfunding personally. That's just me personally. Um, another thing kind of I just wanted to bring up as kind of, like I said, a, a public service announcement. 
Uh, John Deere has actually said they are going to participate in right to repair. Um, and I think that's really important because a lot of people, especially people that own this kind of equipment, uh, want to prepare it on their own. And sometimes they have to save money. You know, farmers necessarily aren't the, you know, aren't the wealthiest people in the world. Sometimes they're working hard and they're not getting a lot for it. Uh, sometimes they need to save, you know, save a buck where they can. If they know how to repair it, they can. And sometimes they have people on staff that actually know how to repair it, and it's part of their job. So John Deere is going to allow people uh, to do right to repair. And one of the things I really like about this is, is there, I mean, you can, they're saying to use their parts if you are going to do right to repair, which I don't think that's fair either. Well, I mean, John Deere should be like any other car. I mean, you buy a car, you can use any part you want. So I don't agree with that either. But the fact that John Deere is fighting it, the fact that a tractor should be just like a car, I can repair it out, you know, using whatever parts I want. They want you to use their parts to maintain the warranty, which is something like Apple and places like that do. Um, I don't know necessarily agree with that either, but that's what they're saying. But they are going to try to participate in right to repair, which I think is very right. Um, by the way, if you are interested at all in John Deere, uh, if you go to uh, Stacy on IoT is the website, uh, she actually got a whole big walkthrough a couple months ago at the John Deere factory and actually talked a little bit about it, that they actually uh, bought some spectrum um, in the area they're in so they can have their own little cell phone network so they can control all their robots and all that very securely um, also too. Uh, they have like these Olympic size swimming pools that they actually put these tractors in um, to actually paint them and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of really good. If you're interested in, in John Deere and the way it's made, um, go to Stacy on IoT. She actually uh, did a kind of whole walkthrough of their plant and their factory, and uh, they really did a really nice. She really did a really nice job with it. So in uh, New Jersey, there was an article on Politico that uh, apparently, and I found this a little bit interesting because. Uh, Jersey's always had pretty, pretty tight gun laws, but apparently they're trying to make, uh, gun laws that were, would increase the, make it harder to get a, a gun. That's stuff they always do stuff like that. But, um, what I found interesting was they blocked part of it, uh, which want would, and the, the part that they blocked, uh, was allowing them to ban guns from being carried in public libraries, museums, bars, and restaurants that serve alcohol and entertainment facilities. Uh, you know, so apparently that was the they're blocking they're, the federal a federal judge is temporarily blocking portions of it. But like I said, they they still passed other parts of it that uh, you know were you know make it a little bit harder to get. Um, I think the waiting period is a little bit longer. Stuff like that. And uh, while I'm not a, a massive gun person personally, I mean, I think, you know, everybody should have a gun, but I don't, not one of those, you know, create gun nuts, I said. But um, there are there are other things, too, that they, that they were trying to pass that I guess got held back, which was those things. But they also had, like I said, they wanted to make it where there's certain areas you can't carry in, certain boroughs, certain, you know, anything to make it more complicated and more... Um, you know, kind of make it more difficult for people so they don't get guns. It's one of those kinds of things. They always try to do that. And Jersey has never been a super friendly gun state, but um, but I wanted to bring that up. But we are in Pennsylvania here, and as of January 1st now, uh, switchblades are allowed, which is something that was never allowed in Pennsylvania. Uh, you can now have a switchblade, but you still cannot have a double-sided uh, knife. So I find that interesting. Uh, that was some of the stuff that our governor signed before he uh, kind of ran out the door. 
but I am kind of happy about that. So switchblades now are actually legal here in Pennsylvania, which is pretty interesting. So some other stuff that I heard as well that I thought was a little bit interesting. Uh, in Washington, those uh, two guys that over Christmas, uh, they, they I guess they there was four substations they attacked um, to cut power. And apparently there were two guys that were arrested. Uh, I'm sorry, it was on New Year's Eve. I, I'm sorry, they were arrested on New Year's Eve. Uh, they were trying to shut down the Washington State substations and uh, the power outages that caused thousands of people to, have, uh, you know, power outages of that. But apparently they, they, they were charged with conspiracy to damage emergency facilities and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, possessing illegal short-barreled rifles. Uh, they were two, they two kind of cut power off to thousands of locations, uh, costing about, they said, $3 million worth of damage, according to the charges, and they face up to 20 years behind bars. So um, anytime people lose power, it's always a real pain in the ass, but the fact that these two guys try to do it purposely uh, kind of pissed me off a little bit, and I'm kind of glad we, we went ahead and... Uh, and got them. So good job to our, our police officers and the federal bureau and all that, that got those guys. Cause that really was kind of uh, really an act of terror in my opinion. Uh, I know, you know, cutting the power maybe isn't the, um, maybe isn't, you know, as, as bad as all the things they could have done, but, um, but boy, that could be a real pain in the butt. But if you have somebody on uh, any kind of home dialysis or people that need breathing machines to breathe at home and stuff like that, uh, it could really be, Losing power sometimes is really uh, more dangerous than you think. Uh, it's not just the the heat and the cold that can do people in, but people that need medical devices as well. It can be very dangerous. So uh, I'm kind of glad that uh, they caught those guys and uh, unbelievable $3 million in damage. Uh, that'll come out of our taxpayer money to fix that, isn't that? Uh, or maybe Washington's tax money. Either way, somebody's paying for it, and uh, it's going to be our, our tax dollars somewhere or somebody's tax dollars. So uh, Seattle... Uh, public schools are suing social media giants, um, saying that they're causing mental health issues. Um, I don't really think this is going to go through. I think this is a just you know just a political move by the superintendents and stuff like that or whoever's doing it. But uh, they're suing TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Snap, Instagram, pretty much anybody you can think of. Which Facebook is Instagram. Uh, their own best team company, but apparently they're saying that social media giants have successfully exploited the vulnerable brains of youths and children uh, using psychological tact using psycho yeah, psychological tactics that cause mental health problems as they get older. Uh, suit filed in the U.S. District Court of Seattle seeks maximum uh, penalties and maximum retribution, which probably means money. Uh, to have uh, violated Washington state public laws against mental health, which I don't think this is going to go anywhere, but there's an update on the story um, from when I got this the other day. Uh, the lawsuit, uh, basically the mental health is, uh, is no accident, saying that they are, um, defendants are saying that the, the campaigns to get kids to watch, uh, you know, it's against the Child Safety Act. I don't know about that. Uh, President Joe Biden's statement in 2020 stated the union address, we must hold social media platforms accountable for national ex uh, experiment they've constructed uh, for our children and all that. Uh, suits looks at the school district bringing the attention to public. I don't think this is going to go anywhere, if I'm being honest with you. Um, 
again, I do think that social media is an issue, and I do think especially the Democrats and the Republicans, especially the Republicans, um, are very worried about, uh, you know, if, if social media is, is influencing our children and social media is predominantly leans left, uh, that means all of the kids coming up are going to be left wing. And, and I, I think this whole thing is is they're worried about conditioning they're worried about the republican party the democrats are worried that if they don't want to lose control of the social media because that's how they're they're worried about winning elections the whole thing doesn't care about the they're, they're, the the kids <laughs> this whole thing with the kids that they've been bringing up that biden brought up and that this lawsuit's bringing up all this is basically because is basically a blinder or or kind of like a blanket thing to, to disguise the fact that they're worried about future Republicans that are not going to be there. The people that could be future Republicans that are going to be influenced by right, that left wing social media. They're, they're concerned about voting. The Democrats want to want to keep social media on the left so that they can get the younger votes from the millennials, which are the majority of the voting group. This whole thing, that's all this is. Okay. The same thing goes for the, the right side of it when it comes to the Republicans, how they always want to raise the voting age to 25. They want to aid, they want to raise the voting age to 25 because people under 25 generally vote Democrat. And the same reason why the Democrats are so worried about this, this about uh, not having any kind of ID for voters. They say it, 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 this doesn't, I don't want to say discriminates because Jeremy is the right word. It basically hurts the minority vote because minorities don't want to have to show their ID to vote, which I don't understand why that is, but that is a thing, whatever. But Democrats are so diehard against people showing their ID because they don't want to lose the minority vote because minorities mostly vote Democrat. Okay, it it, 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 this whole thing, this whole thing about a safe and secure election, it, it, it all boils down to which side is this going to hurt worse? It's going to hurt the Republicans. It's going to benefit the Republicans more to have, to have people show their ID. It's going to, it's going to not benefit the Democrats. So both sides are funny. It has nothing to do. Do you think either side cares about us voting? Well, they do care about us voting because they need votes, but they care about this whole thing is, is basically just them jockeying to say, we want a safe and, you know, Dem Republicans are going to scream and yell to rile up their base saying, Oh, we want a safe, secure election. And we do, but, the Democrats are going to scream back. Those I saying, well, you're 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 hurting people that could be, could be potential voters. No, you're hurting people that could potentially vote for us. Is what they should be saying, but they won't say that. And I know many people, many friends of mine, who are diehard Democrats that are don't understand why people don't have to show their, their ID to vote. And and I think it's a ridiculous thing too. I mean, you have to show your ID for things that are less important, why don't you have to show your ID to vote for the president of the United States or for your local politicians or governors? Um, I think it's really ridiculous. You don't have to show ID. Um, I have to show ID for, for things that I mean are, are less important. Why can't I have to show ID to vote for the president? Uh, I think it's, it's really ridiculous and I think it's really dumb. And I, I just don't understand that. So, Another article I thought was interesting. I wanted to bring this up because I know we do have some young listeners and I uh, believe me, no pressure, <laughs> but um, they're saying that the birth rates are down in America by uh, lowest they've been since the seventies. 
Um, so they're saying the lowest birth rates we've seen since the 70s. Um, they said they've been on a study decline, or sorry, the study incline for 50 years. And uh, ever since prior to COVID, uh, the, the numbers have uh, really, they're, they're not growing. They're, they're, the birth rates are down. People are not having as many kids. Um, and, 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 and I understand it. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, the cost of inflation has gone through the roof. I mean, people can't afford to have big families anymore. Two is like the max. Three, I mean, if you have three, I mean, that's, and then four, for some reason, seems to be the tipping point when people are like, you got four kids? By the way, I, I want to bring that up, I, not to joke about it, but I, I don't understand why that is. My wife and I have actually joked about that. We only have two, but uh, we have friends that have three. But why is four kids seem to be that tipping point where you have people have a lot people that have four kids well, you have four kids four kids always that big number three is okay four is like whoa like it's not really it's only not that many i mean it's only one more but i mean just the four seems to be that that tipping point where people always say wow you have four kids where with three oh you only have three you have three you know it, it, it's just one of those things but um like we, my wife and I would joke about that. I don't know why four seems to be that tipping point, but you know, it's one of those things where like, and, and, and people can't afford it. And, and that's why, but the birth rates are down. Um, they're saying this could have long-term effects down the road. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Fortunately, this kind of thing, it takes years and years and years to see what happens. Um, I do find it interesting that birth rates are now, considering a lot of our friends now that COVID's kind of heading in, you know, it's, it's kind of like an endemic now. Um, a lot of our friends are having kids. Maybe we just are at that age or maybe it's just the area we're in. But uh, a lot of our friends are having kids uh, this year. And, um, you know, now that things are starting to go back to normal. So, but interesting to see for me, this was a shocking article only because I know so many people that are having kids that are friends um, to see that the numbers were down kind of shocked me a little bit. I thought for sure they were going to be up, but uh, apparently they are down. So uh, that was, that was a little bit interesting. Uh, finally, that U.S. Navy veteran, the Marine, uh, finally got let go by Russia. He's been over there for a long time. Uh, we got that Russian basketball. We got that basketball player with the weed uh, back from Russia quicker than we did our own uh, Marine, which or our own Navy. So I thought that was kind of sad. But um, apparently, like I said, he's been released about time. I think he should have been released. We gave them back their arms dealer. I think that should have been worth at least a, a couple of our military and uh, and that Russian uh, that lady coming back from Russia for basketball player. Um, but like I said, I, I was kind of upset about that. That basketball player came back, but yet our, our soldier didn't. But now they evidently they got him back. So uh, that was uh, breaking news uh, before. So good for the good. I'm so happy to hear that. Really am because uh, I was a little upset about that. That our marine was still over there, but a basketball player we can get back. I thought that was a little ridiculous. Um, so they are saying that uh, inflation has slowed down from uh, 8.8 down to 6.5. They are saying this is what they're saying. Uh, they said uh, consumer prices fell 0.0, not 1%, 0.1% uh, in December in line with the expectation of the economy. Uh, they are saying now that uh, food and energy prices have gone down, uh, have, uh, have gone down not 3%, 0.3%. Um, and also, too, they're saying that the, that the uh, CPI rose 6.5%, which uh, obviously... Uh, has gone down a little bit, but they're saying that the big reason uh, for the inflation starting to come down is the gasoline prices, which uh, are now lower, but they are starting to go back up again. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. I think that number's not going to stay that way. I would like to see it go down a little more, uh, but it has come down. It was uh, eight. It was eight two. Uh, now it's six five. So it has come down. Uh, it was nine percent uh, in uh, in July in June. So it is coming down, but it's coming down very slowly. And um, 
you know, I don't think we'll see, I don't think we'll ever see it go back down to pre to the COVID level again, like two or 3%, but, um, it is starting to come down, but it's going to take, I think a lot more time for it to come down, but, uh, it is starting to come down. Uh, the gas prices are a big part of that. It's starting to come down now that the war is starting to really get kind of, I don't want to say under control, but it's starting to hit a kind of a break, uh, a certain point. So that's the, another reason why. So, um, that's been going on. And uh, like I said, the, the news really was, uh, you know, really, really, it's been pretty crazy this week. Um, one of the things I do want to point out, which is the the area that uh, uh, Mastodon, which is what we use here for our um, rebel social media group, um, which is very Twitter-like. Uh, the uh, Truth.Social uses it as well for the background. Gab used it for a while, stuff like that. Um, it's a really great open source free back backend for, for social media platforms. It really is wonderful. And um, I actually do support those guys uh, a couple bucks a year because uh, they are really doing this for free. And you could take their code and make your own little social network with it. And it's, it's a lot of work, and I give those guys a lot of credit. But um, one of the things I wanted to point out, they are saying now that uh, Mastodon, uh, I got this off of Throt.com, they're a pretty reputable uh, website for this sort of stuff. Um, Mastodon, which is the, the group, uh, ever since uh, when Elon Musk bought it, uh, ever since when Elon Musk bought Twitter, uh, Mastodon jumped 2.5 million users from like half a million users. So it had a big uh, surge in, in users that were like, Oh, I'm done with Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to Mastodon or people that started their own instances and stuff like that. But, uh, now apparently they're saying Mastodon still has 2.2, uh, you know, million active users out of a total of 5.4 million accounts. So, uh, now they're saying in jet was in December, January, they're down to 1.7 million active users and still well they're still at the 5.9 million so it, it looks like they've had like a 23 23 percent decrease in active users uh they still have a big user base they went from half a million to even 1.7 is big but uh they're saying that twitter has uh people are starting to go back to twitter now they flocked back now that they uh, I think the dust is starting to settle uh, a little bit. Uh, people are starting to go back to Twitter now. And also, too, the fact that Twitter is, you know, kind of starting to turn it around and has kind of cooled it on the censoring and stuff like that. They're saying people are starting to go back there now. So, um, you know, the like I said, tr- Truth Social uh, and places like that, um, while they are big and even ours is so small, but, um, I, will, I mean, when you're talking about Twitter, who has 252 million users, and you look at something like like Gab or True Social or or or, or Rumble, um, any of them, they have like you know seven, eight, nine million users um, is is tiny, very very small in comparison to a Twitter who has 252 million users. Um, and you're looking at something like Facebook that has over 2 billion active users a month. I mean, when you really look at social media, um, even Twitter is tiny compared to Facebook. Um, but even that, um, even even when you look at something, even go to the next level, and I look at something like Mastodon or True Social or like is it Gab or any of those, Rumble, um, they are even a tiny fish even compared to to. Twitter, so they're even a tinier fish compared to something like Facebook. So, um, like I said, uh, kind of an interesting thing there. I thought, so remember, we all remember a lot of people running off of, running off of Twitter, uh, you know, for a while, and now you know it seems that people are 
people are starting to come back to it. Also, two two things like Telegram, um, you also have Discord, things like that. Social social networking is becoming uh, really more of a, a smaller niche thing. There's a lot of like Telegram groups, there's a lot of uh, Signal groups, WhatsApp groups, uh, things like that are really becoming more segmented and more fragmented, uh, where people want to be in groups that they that they want to be a part of rather than being part of one big thing. And one of the things that I brought up about social media, which is very, you have to be very worried about stuff like this. And, and the reason why is because um, if you're only in a group of people that tells you the same thing, you will never get the other side of anything. Um, and that goes for politics. That goes for anything where if you're only getting the one side of it, um, you're never going to see the other side. And that's really, really dangerous with the way social media is right now. And I think that might be part of uh, one of the things that concerns me going forward with social media is the fact that, you know, you have people, you have people that are all on one side. Um, they want to be part of these little subgroup, you know, Facebook and, and, and Twitter used to be the only things. Now you have all these other social media groups, all these other uh, social group platforms, like I said, Telegram, uh, Discord, Mastodon, Gab. I mean, I can go, there, there's, there's Hunt, Snap, there's, there's millions of them. Oh, millions of them, but not millions, but a lot of them. Um, but now, you know, people join these groups that want to see all this stuff. They want to they be around people they want, which is great um, to be around people you want and you, 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 you know, have to share the same views as you because you have good conversations. But the problem is when you do, when you, go into a subgroup like that, um, you don't necessarily see the other side of things. And I think that as a society is a really big problem. Um, and I brought this up to people before where if you only ever see one side of an argument, you can't see the other person's point of view. And and I think that social media now is getting more fragmented now as, more, as things are changing um, from what they were 10 years ago. We just had Facebook or just had Twitter. Um, I think you're going to see more and more people are going to get more and things are going to start to get more fragmented. Um, and you're going to see, you know, uh, even more of a problem. You're going to see even more of a problem going forward, not on a scale like we have where people are just joining because they're part of a fan group. Cause I think fan fan pages have always a thing. Um, uh, but I think as, as a larger whole, um, as people maybe just stay on TikTok or just stay on, you know, uh, uh, true they're only going to see one side of the story. And, and that's a problem, um, you know, in general, when people get their news only from one source. Like I said, our stuff is more of, more of a fan club kind of thing and more of a fun thing. We're all hanging out with the same interests. But we're talking about people that, that use things to get their news. And if you're only going to get your news from Telegram, only, you know, only going to get your news from, from certain different places, um, it's going to eventually be a problem. And that goes for anybody. Um, you know, especially, and I've pointed this out a million times before, I love uh, Google News, but I don't go there just for my news because Google does, Google News is in, they're, they're, uh, yes, they're a free service, but they're also a service. And Google's going to show you stuff that keeps you on their platform longer so that you see more ads. That is the business Facebook's in, that's the business that Google's in. Well, the problem is things that you don't like are not going to keep you on the platform. So many a times, Facebook, Google, and other and other platforms will show you stuff you want to see, so you stay on the platform longer, seeing you know maximize advertising. And while that is a, a great thing for them as a business, is not necessarily a great thing for you as a person who's trying to get both sides of a story. And I, I brought that up, and I think that's my biggest problem with any of these social networks is 
And that's kind of why I do like Mastodon because it doesn't do any of that stuff. But the my issue with that is is if their Facebook is so worried about maximizing their clicks that they're going to show you and YouTube, they're all guilty of it. They're going because they want to maximize your time on their platform, maximize their their clicks. They're going to show you things that are going to keep you there longer. But the problem is things that keep you there longer generally agree with your point of view. And and then people are not getting the other side of the story. So I think that's a major problem. And going forward, I really think you're going to see more and more of that as an issue. And like I said, it it really is something I, I think we need to be concerned about. I do think social media is a threat to democracy in the sense of sometimes they're not giving people both sides of the story. An informed voter is somebody that understands both sides of things. And I think that's a really big problem, especially with some of these platforms now, is they only show you one side of things and people don't get both sides of the story, which is kind of, I think, part of the reason um, why they're investigating social media right now is because social media has always leaned either, you know, in that direction. But... The other problem is, and I do think this is an issue, and, and Republicans probably don't care about it, but I do, in the sense of, since Facebook only shows you if you are a Republican, they're probably only going to show you Republican-leaning things. Um, if you are Democrats, they're only going to show you Democrat-leaning things, which is a problem. And and and, I, and they're not really worried about this. They're more worried about being silenced. Um, but, um, you know, I think it is a really big issue, and it's something that we in this country here are going to have to think about, is people should be getting news from multiple places and really should be... And, and newspapers are guilty of this, too. They always lean one way or the other. They try to show certain things that are going to keep people reading longer. Um, they're, it really, they're, all the platforms are really guilty of this. But, um, you know, it, it is a problem because people only get one side of the story, and then that one side of the story, unfortunately, isn't necessarily the whole thing. And problem is everybody has different tastes, different views, and, um, you know, and sometimes they don't want to see the other side, which is another problem. But um, like I said, this today really was mostly um, digging into things, talking about things really that's been going on, things that I think are important. Um, the way we handle classified data in this country is a big issue for me. Um, the way we handle social media, the, what social media tells us. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff are big issues that uh, we in this country are really going to have to uh, figure out what to do. There's got to be a solution to this problem, but I don't think it's going to be an easy solution. And unfortunately, I think legislation is only going to make it worse, I think. I hate to be honest with you, but I think it is. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, on that note, <laughs> um, I do want to thank everybody for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you very much.